Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Twin Cities, it's time for Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, I've been looking forward to this one. Melody Carlson is with us. She is the Chief Operating Officer at Sunrise Banks. Melody, welcome. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's talk a little bit about you and Sunrise Banks. Give everyone an introduction, please. Sure, I will. So first about Sunrise Bank. So we're a community bank. We have four branch locations in the Twin Cities area, but we also do a lot nationally. Um, we kind of have a twofold approach. We, we both are a place space where we have community bank locations here in the metro area. But then we also work a lot with various financial uh, fintech partners across the country to kind of basically help anyone improve their financial service options. And often they're the unbanked and underbanked. Um, we have a lot of designations around us. So we are a CDFI or a community development financial institution. We're a certified B corporation. Um, We're also a member of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, or GABV, and actually our CEO, David Reiling, is the chair of that organization right now. So really, basically, in a nutshell, we try our best to do good in the communities we serve, not only in the Twin Cities area, but across the country. Um, So like you mentioned, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Sunrise Banks. My role's really evolved. I've been here six years. I've had a number of different teams during that time. Currently, I, I look at myself as I'm often more of that back office team structure. I have about 100 people reporting up through me, but I also have the retail branches as well. So think of the tellers and the bankers. And at the end of the day, we're just trying to do our best to support internal and external partners and clients. And it's been a real blast working here at Sunrise Banks. We're about 300 employees strong and 1.7 billion in assets. Oh, wow. Um, Congratulations on the great work you're doing. For those that don't, I don't want to go down too far down this bunny trail, but for those that don't know what a B corporation is, let's, let's define that and the significance of that for, for you and your mission. Sure. We were actually the the first bank in Minnesota to become a B Corporation back when it first started many years ago. And how you look at that is across the nation, there's a number of us across industries. And really, it's looking at companies that are often for-profits, but not always, but they're doing good. They're mission-focused. They're looking at not just profit, but also serving the communities around us. And it's quite a rigorous process to not only obtain that certification, but also maintain that. And it's something we're really proud of. We, we, um, as I mentioned, one of the first, and we've been involved many years, and we plan to continue that in that space um, throughout our history and plan to in the future. So we've really enjoyed working with many companies, and, and we interact quite a bit across the different industries that we work with. So, Melody, you have a lot of the employees, most sounds like the preponderance of Sunrise's employees report up to you. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, maybe let's start with the pandemic and just how your evolution and, and I guess, development of, of how you dealt with all the employees, the needs employees had at that time. And obviously, you were like everybody else. There was no pre-planning. So how, sure you, wasn't. Yeah, how you pivoted to whatever, whatever direction you went to as soon as you did. Sure. That's a great question. You know, like you said, there was no manual. It sure wasn't something we expected. Yes, we have business continuity plans 
this kind of uh, happened really quickly. So back in March of 2020, as with many companies, we were trying to figure out what and when and how we should do this. And our CEO was instrumental in saying, we're going to move to remote as much as we can ASAP. So within two business days, we moved, I would say, 80% of our workforce remote. And, you know, like most companies before that, it was occasional, might have been once in a, once a week at most. And all of a sudden, executives all the way down was, was home. And we had a, a wonderful IT shop helping us and, and started that. And thankfully, we had Microsoft Teams and the video options. We can share screens. We can, you know, be on... Um, video or calls, and that really helped. You know, I would say the vast majority of our employees still, unfortunately, two years later, we're still in this pandemic, although mm. hopefully it's moving to an endemic at some point. But we've primarily been remote. Of course, our branches, we have people in the branch locations, but even that, we had to close the lobbies at some points when the, mm. the rates were really high. Um, but, you know, I'd say 80 to 90% of our employees are home or working remote most of the time. But we also have really implemented a soft opening to say, it's really hard to give a date. I've unfortunately given four or five different dates and kept delaying them as many have. And I felt like the woman who cried wolf, right? right. So now we're just telling our employees, look, it's been working. We're productive. We're effective. It's, it's, it's going great. And so we're not really giving a date yet, but we're saying if you're comfortable and want to come into the office part-time or full-time, or you're sick of being home or you know, better for your mental health to come in, you're welcome to. And we haven't turned off access to anybody. We're, we're more than open to that, but we're not requiring it unless their position requires it, like if you're in a branch location. We won't mention any names because uh, uh, to embarrass anybody, but I mean, you know, there's some, been some pretty sizable banks that really, I think what you might call it a command and control uh, philosophy about wanting people to be in certain places uh, in buildings. And Talk about let's let's start with organizational effectiveness because part of the argument is we can't be effective as an organization and and as a culture without having people in the office. So address that statement. <clears throat> yes, it, you know I would say financial institutions and banks used to be pretty old school, right? It was that butt and chair. You all are in the office every day, and I would say Sunrise Banks in my six years here, even before the pandemic. We weren't always that way. Um, we we often do move around between locations. You know, I, for example, as a as an executive here, most of those last years before the pandemic, I was still working remote up mm. to once a week just to have heads down time, have that time to just think mm -hmm. and work through strategy, and frankly, not be a holdup to my teams because I'm still reviewing things and doing things. And so, but you know, I would say there was definitely some executives on the team and leaders that really struggled to to think that our employees would do well working remote. Mm -hmm. And this just forced that change. I think personally, one of the blessings, there's many curses, but one of the blessings of the pandemic is we are much more flexible, not only our company, but I think the industry and across the nation, people can really choose what makes sense for them. I think the companies that are going to frankly lose in the great resignation or the you know, age of talent, whatever term you want to use, are the ones that are not flexible going forward. You do hear companies, banks and other industries that say, I want you back already. I, I know people in my network that were forced to come back in a role that maybe they shouldn't have to work in the office, but it was a little more of that old school mentality from the get-go. And I think often that's what you're seeing the turnover happen in is they want to have a more flexible option. So Sunrise Banks has been really focused on that with our employees. We send out emails, we try to communicate regularly, 
and we are listening to say what roles really make sense to be in the office part-time or full-time and what roles are fine either way. And so we're doing that by position. We have our human resource department helping. We're working with our leaders to say what makes sense. And we're doing surveys with our employees. I think the way of the world, at least for us, is going to be a hybrid approach Mm -hmm. where we're going to be part-time in the office and part-time at remote locations for most of our positions going forward. Now, my sense is that you are a lot different than the rest of the industry when it comes to this philosophy. That's my sense of it. Um, I may be wrong, but when I saw the subject of this interview and bank, I was (laughs) immediately intrigued. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I I guess uh, talk about, and there must've been a predisposition to this way of working uh, with employees and, and as a company to be able to make the changes that you have. Good, good point. I mean, yes and no. I would say we definitely think about our employees and what works best for them. And we always are, are trying to our best to do that, even before, obviously, the pandemic started. Um, so we were really thinking about that, but also the safety of our employees. So in all honesty, a lot of the reason we moved re- remote back in 2020 was just as a mid-sized bank in our size, we can't have full teams out at the same time. We really had to think about what's making it safest for our employees' well-being, but also for the company and our critical functions. Mm-hmm. And that's been a you know a starting point. But then we started realizing not only is our employee base doing well, primarily working remote, but it's really efficient and productive in most cases, especially when you have a video option and you can share screens and collaborate remotely. Uh, but also when, when you look at the critical functions and not having, we're not a behemoth bank, we're not a you know Wells Fargo, a, a big company that's got thousands of employees across different areas, we may have a team of five. Mm. So you really have to think about how can you make sure that we can get all the work done, but also be flexible where we can for our teams. And so I think that really helped us. And then listening to our employees and what makes sense for them. We've also realized two years in, we were just having a conversation at our executive meeting this week around how are our employees doing? What is the mental health? What is the struggles? This was supposed to be two weeks. I remember in March of 2020, we're going to go home for two weeks. We're going to come back. It'll all be great. And here we are two years later. I never thought I'd be in my home office Mm -hmm. this long. Um, And so a lot of it's been, how can we help our teams improve their well-being and morale? Because it's it's a grind, especially when we're in the winter months here in Minnesota. Um, So we're starting to talk more about that. You know, how do we help encourage people to say, if you're tired of working from home, come into the office or let's get a team lunch together or a happy hour, do something that gives them more things to smile about and, and get through these winter months. And, and soon enough, I really do think that the pandemic will at least become an endemic and we'll start to look at what the next new normal is. For sure. Uh, folks, we're here chat- chatting with Melody Carlson. Melody is Chief Operating Officer at Sunrise Banks. You mentioned uh, workplace mental health and mental health of employees. Um, is that something that I, I i'm sure that's was a concern given your the, your mission and uh, the way you work with your employees to begin with but but talk about how that's i guess the that's changed in the pandemic and the level of attention you have to give to that and what some of your responses to that sure you're right i mean honestly i, I guess another blessing from this pandemic is that I think as leaders and employers, we are 
forcing and needing to have that conversation more around how our employees are doing. I think, and myself included, when you're going through anything going on in your personal life, you often felt this stigma that you shouldn't bring it to work or you should mm. try to hide it or not talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think many companies like Sunrise Banks, we're always trying our best to make people feel like they can come as they are. But I think this pandemic has really elevated the need to check in more, not just on the work projects, but on how are they doing as a person? How is their home life? What can I help with? One of the things, again, when you're working through this pandemic is many working parents, all of a sudden daycares or schools are closed or shifted to home learning. I have two school-aged children. Let me tell you, that was a very big change. I'm used to having teams of employees around me, not my tween and teen uh, to to think about every day and how they're doing at home. And so even just checking in with our employees to see how is distance learning going during parts of this, you know, when daycares close, what do you need? Sometimes that means shifting your schedule because if their child can take a nap in the afternoon and they can get a lot done and they have to work later at night so they can be involved with their child's situation at home during the day sometimes. So, you know, I've seen more uh, pets and children in videos than I've ever had before. And <laughs> I think it's wonderful yeah. as a working parent. We're not trying to pretend we're always on at work and never have a home life. I think mm-hmm. that we need to really focus on both. And I think also as we're working through this pandemic and many are home, it's having those one-on-one check-ins. I do that with them all my direct reports. And then of course it kind of filters down and also having those team meetings. So for example, I have six direct reports and we all meet as a team once a week. And it's often to check in. We call them segues. Like, give me one personal best and give me one business best for the last week. Mm. Learn more about each other. We did that the whole time, but it's more important now, I think, because we've been all going through this for two years. Let's talk about, uh, you mentioned, you bring up one-on-one meetings. Let's talk about how that, some specifics there, how that's changed as the pandemic wore on. have you increased the tenor of those or, or the cadence of those? I mean, the frequency or um, how, how, how has that changed when things went remote? Sure. I think we're lucky at Sunrise Banks that we really had a, we, we follow traction and EOS or entrepreneurial operating system model um, as our business. And so we expect level 10 meetings, they're called, or basically leadership meetings where you're meeting with your direct report group, for example, or your team. And we do that every week. So that's continued. And then we also always look at one-on-ones with your direct report group. And usually it's every week or every other week, 30 to 60 minutes. Mm. So that was always happening before. And I had, for example, I have a team in Sioux Falls that's four hours away. So most of the time my direct report there and I are meeting over the phone and now over video, even before the pandemic started. What's changed to me is we're being more intentional to say, what does our employee specifically that employee need? So some of my team is perfectly fine with once every other week to meet with me for an hour. And I have some that are like, I'd really like 30 minutes a week. Or some would say, I don't need anything on the calendar, but you're very approachable and available when I need it. I'll send you a Teams chat or I'll send you a text. And so I always have tried as a leader to be available for my teams whenever needed. But I think we're really having to be more intentional and thoughtful around that now because every specific situation is different. Some really want that face-to-face time with their leader regularly, and some just want it when something's happening. And so it's finding that balance. Um, I think when you're having those one-on-one meetings, we used to focus a lot of our time on those projects and work tasks. And obviously we have to keep doing that. We're running a business, right? But we're. I'm also making sure at the beginning or the end of every discussion to check in and 
ask what's going on at home. What do you need help with? Pers- you know, is there anything I can talk to you about? How can I help? And I think while I've always tried to do that, I've really focused more of that. And all of our teams and leaders are. It's something we're really um, making a bigger priority right now. And I think that's going to continue. And I think that's good because I think people will feel more comfortable with their leaders and staying and retaining at a company that cares about them as a person, not just getting the work done. Sure. Sure. So let's widen the lens out just a little bit and talk about communications in general. What, 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 how has your communications with employees either as a whole or, or the, the team, the individual teams that you have, how, how has that uh, uh, evolved over time? It, it definitely has. I, we've always done communications of like most companies, whether it's an intranet, right? We call mm-hmm. it the landing, but um, basically your internal internet. And then of course there's emails. But one of the things we've really focused on during the pandemic is somewhat like this show. We actually have a all employee weekly podcast that's awesome. just for our internal group. And it started out as our CEO primarily being the host. Mm-hmm. And just to keep everyone up to date, especially when it first started in the pandemic, what, what are we doing? How's it going? Even the statistics around the pandemic. And now it's really shifted to all of our executive teams. So like I posted this weekly show, others have, and we'll bring on guests, which are our employees at various levels to talk about what's going on in their world, so to speak, and also give you know different bank updates, uh, customer updates, just a variety of things. Again, partly that engagement when you're working primarily remote. We also will send out an all-employee email twice a week. That's basically those top things to know across the company. It could be links to our intranet that talks about some of the um, current projects and initiatives. It could be recognition for employees being promoted. It's a lot of different things. It's also a song of the day. I mean, we're just trying to change it up. We've done that over the last two years. Sometimes those emails were every day. And now we've kind of gotten to a routine to say twice a week is enough. So I think there's all of those kind of all employee, all company communications, but then there's a lot of just those one-on-one discussion topics and um, you know, I'll email my direct report team various things if it's just in between meetings. And I think we all have to think more about that and not assume that we're communicating enough. We probably aren't. I don't think that I've ever heard I'm over communicating. I think the more you do, the better your team feels at knowing what's going on. And back to your point you made earlier, a lot of these things you're talking about that came uh, that, that you started because of the pandemic. Um we're good to do anyway. It's just yeah, that you, you, you kind of were forced into it. And I guess this is the, if you will, the good part of, of pandemic learning on how to run your company, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I think, you know, many companies were doing a lot of these things ourselves included. It just enhanced it or made it better and kind of made us think differently that, you know, when you're often in the office together, whether you had, you know, we had more than one location, but you're often the water cooler talk, you're walking by, the drive-bys, as I call it, those were often ways you're communicating. Well, mm-hmm. now you have to be more intentional because you're not always in one building together. Mm-hmm. You know, our headquarters in St. Paul had over 100 people there every day. That's like a third of our company in one location. Mm-hmm. Now we're all over the nation. We've even hired, you know, new people coming into our organization during the pandemic working out of state. And we never really did that before. It might have been a, an employee that decided to relocate and we let them stay in their role. But I think that's even changed. We have to always now think about across the nation, all of our employees, where they are, and how do we communicate with them 
not always going to be in person. We may have people that are hardly ever going to be in person or in 3D, as we call it. And so it's really a lot of what we're doing was done before. I know now the weekly employee podcast, that's new, but a lot of the communications were there. We're just having to be more intentional about how and when and who and what. It's all those things we have to think about. So let's talk about uh, keeping employees productive without micromanaging. You've got some thoughts on that. I do. I've tried my best to be an anti-micromanager, as they say. I really, I've worked for a micromanager before. When you do have that once, you realize, make sure you don't act that way. So, you know, we are, we try our best to not be micromanagers. And what that means is, look, inherently you need to trust your team and trust your employees unless they break that trust, right? Rather than, I think some leaders, old school leaders would say, well, you can't start by trusting them. They have to build that trust. That's not going to work in this world anymore. Uh, People will not stay if they're being micromanaged. We need to trust our employees and our leaders. We need to give them expectations and guardrails and then let them run. Let them do what they do best. I can tell you having a team of 100 people, there are many people that are smarter than me on my team. They are SMEs, subject matter experts. They know more than I do about the day-to-day work. And so why would I be telling them what to do every day, all day? That doesn't make sense. You know, our job as leaders is to coach and develop and help them remove roadblocks, problem solve where needed, but really let them run with it. As long as you're giving them the expectations, there's really no need to micromanage. To me, that's often a control mechanism and isn't going to keep people, isn't going to keep them happy and engaged. Um, So that's where a lot of it's that collaboration and communication we've discussed on, you know, having those one-on-ones, helping where needed. You know, during the pandemic, when financial institutions and banks were able to help with the Paycheck Protection Program, that was an all hands on deck. I was Mm. calling customers directly, working on things I've never worked on before, right? Everyone stepped up and stepped in. And a lot of that was enable and empower your team and tell me what you need so that I can get out of the way and, and remove those roadblocks. But it's amazing to see what people can do when you actually let them run with things and empower them. And so a lot of times when new leaders are promoted internally or promoted into a role, I think that's where you see it the most because they used to do the job and it's hard for them to lose that control. And I think that's the ones you really coach at first to say, you're no longer doing the job, let them do it and let them come to you when they need something. Just a little bunny trail on PPP loans. So it sounds like if all hands were on deck, you were accepting loan applications from uh, customers, well, businesses that were not your customer. Uh, So there's, there's some community service right there. And I I wanted to applaud. So thank Thank you for that. Absolutely. Yes, we were, we, we obviously wanted to help our customers because those are the ones we know well, and and we have a number of um, small business customers and Mm -hmm. they were really hurting and it was amazing and touching and wonderful to hear some of the success stories that came from that program. But you're right. We, as a leadership team and our CEO definitely focused on let's save Main Street. That was our hashtag for a while, right? Mm. And so how do we help that? It it can't just be our customers. So we were opening up the floodgates and it really was for a while. And we were letting non-customers apply. You know, we actually were able to have PPP loans in 49 states. There was just one hangout. We could not get to a hold up there, but it was really fun to see that and help out a lot of companies. We did as many of things we could, but also we wanted to make sure we were following all the protocols that the government required. And we did a lot of manual reviews to make sure we were trying to do the right thing on on who gets those loans whenever possible. But it was, I mean, 
heartwarming to see how many businesses were saved by those programs and all hands on deck. It meant a lot of extra hours for many months, but we, I think that when you have a strong mission and you're able to help people, it's a lot easier to work long hours. And let's be clear in 2020 and 2021, there wasn't a lot going on. So we all, (laughs) it's a little easier to work those extra hours and help people. But I think that was a really great success story during the pandemic that it was wonderful to be able to help people and and not just those big companies. There were so many sole proprietors and small companies that were able to keep going because of those. Well, and that really brings up just the, the mission you have as, as an organization, because what you did with the PPP loan situation is just one element of how you operate as a company. Uh, so being a B corporation, being a community development financial institution. Um, so talk about how you, um, I guess, uh, inject that enthusiasm for that mission into your employees. Um, uh, or is that an issue? Do they come to you because of your mission? Uh, is it, 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 you really don't have to, uh, uh, do a lot of, uh, uh, converting on that maybe as it were. <laughs> Yeah, great question. We, you know, our brand as Sunrise Banks is very mission focused. So you'll see our marketing materials, our communications, that is really something we walk the talk on. And so because of that, we do end up getting a lot of employees or candidates applying for roles because of our mission. And often, you know, our human resources team will ask that question. We're trying to figure out who really cares about our mission and who really doesn't because we believe in that through and through. And if you come in and you don't care about the mission, you're probably not going to like it or be successful with us. And so we're, that's one of our kind of screening tools, right? If they really care about the mission, you know, to your point, even if they come in and, and might care about it, but not as much as some of us, maybe not as enthusiastic, often we see within that first year of employment, they are a big cheerleader for the mission mm. because they see it. You know, not only do we help our small businesses and, and you know, uh, community members and consumers across our Twin Cities market, but we're very involved with helping out nationwide on those communities where maybe they don't have a bank account or they're working with a you know, financial technology partner. Think of a prepaid card or a small business loan that they find online or even something that has a loan with a deduction out of a payroll account. Those people may not even know who we are because they may be in another state and haven't heard of us. And that's okay. We're kind of on the back end and we don't need to be always in the front, right? But it's so great to see the stories where people that might have used payday lending before Mm. are now using a much better product or service and is taking less money from them so they can actually do more um, for their families or their community. So a lot of people, when they come in, if they don't realize how much we do, quickly realize this is really cool to work on a project or work for a team that gets it and understands where I'm coming from. Cause a lot of our employees need those products and services as well. For sure. Um, so Melody, let's talk about talent acquisition generally. Um, your mission attracts a lot of employees, but what, what, what's, what are some of the issue, other issues that you've confronted on talent acquisition and how are you navigating those? A number of things. I think that this, talent market is is a hot market, right? We all hear it. It's all over the news and the media. And what we see is our average turnover really hasn't increased during this time. 
we're growing though, right? So the number of people turning over is increasing, but the percentage is pretty steady. We're at about an 80% retention rate mm. on an average basis. Wow. And we're grateful for that, but we've worked hard at it. Some of the things we've done, obviously, like we've talked about is, is being there for your employees, engaging with them, helping, you know, helping them wherever they need it, work and personal. But also when we look at talent acquisition and recruiting, we're stepping up our game. We're not a huge company. A lot of people, and myself included, didn't always know even who they we were because locally, it's not like we have 50 branches. Um, we're not a, a behemoth, right? And so often it's how are we increasing our employer brand in the marketplace? So we're doing things like this, right? Getting your name out there, but you're also going to job fairs and you're, and we do that a lot. We're trying to improve that even with our diversity, equity, and inclusion um, focus. We're, we're looking at, you know, which colleges make sense to recruit at. We're looking at, you know, sometimes we go to external recruiters, but we're going to the ones we really feel comfortable with. And so much of our recruiting efforts comes from our employee referrals. We have a employee referral program and Often those are the best employees when someone says, I worked with so-and-so two years ago. They were really great to work with. Let me see if I can get them to apply for a role. You know, we also do all the typical things like LinkedIn and we all share job openings. And But that's all over the place. You see that every day when you're on LinkedIn. Sure. So it's trying to find those other ways to, to help improve our employer brand, but also help our employees see the benefit of having other people that are really good surrounding them. And then often they'll want to refer their network of people that they know are really good as well. For sure. Well, Melody, as we wind down the, the, our time together, let's, let's give some advice uh, if, if we can. So you've got some ideas about three steps to a happy and productive work from home team. So let's give advice out there to others that are thinking in those terms. Sure. You know, and like you mentioned before, none of this is rocket science, right? We're not, <laughs> we're not doing brain surgery. I mean, a lot of it seems simple, but it's just reminders. So the top three things that, that we could think about as a leadership team is strong communication. You can, like I said, never can over communicate. We've really got to be intentional about it and do a lot more frequent uh, communication as well. Thinking about boundaries. So I'm going to say this term because we talk about that. Sometimes you feel tethered to your laptop or computer, Mm. especially right now when you're primarily working remote for many of us. So sometimes you have to establish those boundaries. For me, for example, I try my best not to send emails at night. Even if I might be catching up on work at night, I'm often waiting to send those till the next day because I don't want my teams to think, well, she's working at night. I have to do that. We need to make sure that people know they can step away from their desk, so to speak, which often might be steps away from their kitchen, right? Um, And just thinking about what makes sense for your employees to not feel like they have to constantly be available. And then third is meeting people where they are. You know, Mm. everyone's going through different things right now. They may have different schedules or needed and just being as flexible as possible because I think the flexibility we offer now is going to pay dividends going forward when we move out of this phase so that people realize my company cares about me as a person and they're really flexible with me. Why would I want to leave? Because they're going to be recruited. People are out there trying to pay more money and do more, you know, give them all these perks, but may not have the culture that we have. And so we need to make sure people remember that flexibility and culture that we bring. And and that's worth something. And I think that's the three things that we often talk about as a leadership team to hopefully engage and retain our our staff and make it so that people want to come work for us. Wow. Great words here from Melody Carlson. Melody is the chief operating officer at Sunrise Banks. Uh, Wow, Melody, this has been great 
uh, great work, you and your team, all your colleagues. Um, congratulations on that. Keep up the good work. But before we let you go, um, for those that would like to be in touch and learn more about Sunrise Banks and what you're up to, let's give them directions. Sure. So again, it's Melody Carlson, and, and most people would spell my first name wrong, so I'll tell you it's Melody with an I-E at the end. Um, you can find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, I'd love to connect with people. And I, f- I learn a lot from other people as well, so I, I'm quite certain that increasing my network and learning from others will, will definitely be helpful. But you know, also, we have our, our website at sunrisebanks.com that has all kinds of great information about our bank and how you can connect with us. Terrific. Melody Carlson, folks, from Sunrise Banks. Melody, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thank you. It was really fun. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that Minneapolis St. Paul Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. If you are not subscribed and you've heard something in this interview, and you had plenty of opportunities to hear something in this interview that that really enthused, uh, gave you some enthusiasm, right? Um We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share the show. Uh, Our mission here at Business Radio X is to celebrate business and the great work that our business leaders like Melody are doing. And so if you can share the show, we would love it if you would do that. It's not about us or me or Business Radio X. It's about them, and we want to celebrate their great work. So for my guest, Melody Carlson, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio.